Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, I'm going to focus tonight since it's, we're coming out of prayer and fasting. And uh, I'll, obviously we've got family month coming up. And so uh, we'll take up uh, some other uh, functions of this uh, lesson tonight as we go forward uh, after, after family month. But I want to focus on, uh, we talk about prayer and fasting. We talk about what fasting is. I think it's very important from time to time to retrench uh, some things as to why we do them and the importance of them. So I, I've titled this A Hunger for God. Everybody say A Hunger for God. I've titled this A Hunger for God. And basically, I'm going to be talking tonight about fasting. Uh, we've, we've been fasting, uh, or some have been fasting. Some, uh, uh, because of their physical condition, can't fast. They get hungry. Some people get hungry when they're fasting and they can't stand that, so they cannot fast. So I, I think it's very important. I, I think there may be a couple of issues that, that uh, people may not understand. One of them may even uh, benefit us going forward uh, to address is the Lord's Supper because I think uh, I'm from Louisiana. Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, folks come out of a particular religion that that celebrate the, what they call communion. It's a very special time. And uh, so, you know, when you move to the Midwest, it's a, uh, you get a little different idea, a different, you know, little hesitation. Well, I don't know if I want to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, communion's one of those things that I think it's very important we retrench why we do it and what's in the Bible concerning it so that we recognize our faith is not in vain, that, that we're believing in something. Amen. Our faith is in something. And so fasting is one of those because, well, what's the use of fasting and, and what, why do you do it? And, you know, I just get hungry. I can't stand getting hungry. I heard somebody say, uh, it was mentioned today, one of the meetings today with the staff, uh, uh, a lady was talking about during particular times of her life, she goes on a fast and she explained that her fast is from 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. the next day. I mentioned to one of the staff members, I said, well, if that's the case, then I think if I cut out ice cream, I'll be fasting every day. Because <laughs> about the only thing I eat after six is either cereal or ice cream. <laughs> and I think I can hold off for breakfast till eight. Man, I, I'm fast seven days this week. <laughs> long as I'm sleeping, I can fast. Anybody feel that way? You know, you wake so, and then, and then your first meal is break fast, right? So, uh, it's pretty easy to fast when you're sleeping. A little tougher when you're going to work. A little tougher when you're mowing the yard. You know, absolutely. Physically, it takes a toll on you. So, we're going to talk about fasting specifically tonight, and I'll deal with a couple of more lessons, and we'll do those later, and I tried to figure out, well, I'll just wait and do it when I can do three together. Well, that'll never come. So I'm just going to talk about fasting tonight in the Old Testament. Everybody say in the Old Testament. It's very important. Let's, let's, let's make a deal tonight. We're going to talk about fasting just in the Old Testament. So don't draw a lot of conclusions because I think it's very impactful to look at both, both the Old Covenant and the New Covenant where it falls in there. Now, in a culture where the landscape is dotted with the shrines to the golden arches and an assortment of temples where they serve pizza. 
fasting seems out of place, out of step with the times. And so as I begin to deal with subject like fasting, I do uh, this with a little hesitation for a number of reasons. And let me say why tonight that I would hesitate. Uh, It's a very emotional and volatile subject. Uh, There are various views about fasting. Uh, In fact, one man's quoted, uh, John Wesley, a great evangelist, quoted as saying, some have exalted, exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. So uh, this, this is the reason why it can be a volatile subject. Some people have exalted it even beyond its scriptural uh, focus, uh, and some have said it's not even important to do it anymore. And because of that, it can, it, fasting and the views about going without food for a period of time uh, can be controversial. Some consider fasting unnecessary, undesirable, uh, and therefore should be ignored. It's, it's not, I've noticed when I fast, um, somebody said, well, I, I don't like to fast because I get real cranky. Well, I've noticed that the, the, the bad parts of my personality usually come to the surface when I'm fasting. If I'm dealing with angry, when, anger when I'm fasting, if I'm impatient, if I, you know, when I'm eating and, 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 and food is therapy for all those quirks in my personality, when I'm fasting, all that stuff that's under the surface when I feed it, when I don't feed it, it's right up there in everybody's face. Don't bother me today, I'm fasting. What good is that? Stay off my back. Get out of here. I'm fasting. Well, you probably need to pray and fast. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Anybody ever fasted and you all of a sudden you're screaming at the kids and you tell the husband to get out of your hair and all the what? Or maybe you tell your wife to get out of your hair. I'm not sure. Maybe nobody's fasting. Has anybody fasted and got cranky? Okay, thank you. I thought I was by myself there for a minute. Uh, others think fasting is to be bound. Uh, as a matter of faith, like baptism, you know. Uh, but it touches a matter, another reason why I has, it's a hesitant issue to talk about, it touches a matter very personal to us, food. Amen. I've noticed in, in all the years of preaching, uh, the one subject that, that you lose just about everybody, if I would preach against, uh, if I'd start preaching about holiness, I, I, you know, the crowd gets right. You start preaching about Jesus' name, baptism, infilling the Holy Ghost, but you start talking about overeating, you're going to lose the crowd. When you start talking about loving everybody, you lose the crowd, especially if you start talking about the Muslims. Everybody but them. Uh, when you start talking about the love of God being. So there are a number of subjects biblically that when you jump into them, uh, you're going to jump in by yourself. And we hope you can get out by yourself. Uh, because many of the people are very dependent on food. I like food. I like to cook. In fact, when I'm fasting, I'll just tell you, if I go on a long fast, and there have been a number of times that I've gone on very, very extended fast, uh, I, I read recipe books. <laughs> I kid you not. Today, I printed out recipes. And, there's, and the reason I printed out, because it just caught my attention. This, I've just got to tell you about it. Is that okay? 
I just come out of the fast. I had a little soup before church. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, but there was a recipe tonight that, or today that I printed out for a peanut butter hamburger. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait for it. You put jalapeno jelly on the toasted bun, both sides. Both, oh, that's sugar and spice right there. Everything nice. Jalapeno jelly, then you do your, your, your grilled hamburger, bacon, lettuce, tomato, and all that. And then you make a peanut butter sauce with peanut butter, maple syrup, and uh, milk or half and half. And you, bl- you blend that up, put it in the microwave, and heat it up, and makes a drizzle. You drizzle that over the hamburger. My goodness, hello. Got anybody? I know you're shaking your head, but there ain't nothing like, you ever had like the, 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 uh, the shake at Denny's that's got the bacon in it? Yeah, the salty and the sweet. You don't know, hey, man. I printed that out. We're going to have that. Me and Shayla's excited about it. I know my father-in-law would be excited about it. He'd eat peanut butter and syrup on anything. But um, we're very dependent on food, not just for survival, but do you realize that we deal with anxiety and depression, boredom, get bored, you just go get something to eat. Rather than eating to live, we really do at times live to eat. We enjoy it, and it's, it's like it's preaching on gluttony, gluttony, it often touches a raw nerve, and one other thing that makes this a, a little touchy subject, untraditional subject, think about it, you don't hear many sermons about fasting. In fact, careful study in particular religious groups uh, from about 1861 to 1954, there was not a single book published on the issue of fasting. That's amazing. So that means a biblical discipline didn't get talked about for almost 100 years. But the scriptures have much to say about fasting. Folks, when we as a church say we're going to go on a prayer, we're going to have a prayer meeting and fast, uh, we don't just, we don't just, this is not just, we're just saying let's fast. Uh, so, you know, those that can, I would encourage you to be a part of that. And, and there's some reasons, and you'll see why hopefully as we go forward. Now, uh, a biblical list of who's who in fasting. Let's talk about in the Bible, just a short list. Who fasted? Well, there it is. Look at that list. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther the queen, Daniel the prophet, uh, Anna the prophetess, anointed of God, uh, Jesus, the apostle Paul. Well, there's a list. That's a pretty good list. That'd be a list. I wouldn't be ashamed to have my name on, would you? These, these people uh, had a practice of fasting. Here's something else I didn't know if you noticed. If you knew... There is more teaching, now I'm talking about the Old Testament, but there's more teaching in the New Testament about the subject of fasting than there is repentance. Wow. In the New Testament, it speaks more about fasting than it does repentance or even confession. Now that's, how many believe repentance is important? Making things right with God. There's more said in the New Testament about, repent, about fasting than there is repentance. Well, I think we shouldn't make it as a joke. Well, I just get, I get hungry when they fast, or I'm not fasting. I think you ought to think about it. 
Yeah, yeah, it makes you uncomfortable. Sure, you miss a meal, you're uncomfortable. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus taught more, listen, Jesus taught more on fasting than on baptism. Jesus taught more about fasting than he did the Lord's Supper or communion. These are all very important subjects, but fasting was spoken of more than repentance, confession, baptism, or even the Lord's Supper. So what would account for almost a total disregard for the subject so frequently mentioned in the New Testament and Jesus talking more about fasting than some of these blessed doctrines, and rightfully so, that we believe in, that we stand for? What would account for an almost total disregard for the subject of fasting? That if Jesus said more about fasting than repentance and baptism, and we say, let's have a fasting revival, we go, yeah, yeah, he can do that, I ain't doing that. Should we be concerned with our attitude about it? Yeah, I think we should. So, uh, this, maybe, maybe the reason... Uh, people have a total disregard and it's up there. Fasting uh, developed a bad reputation as a result of the excessive ascetic practices in the Middle Ages. And you may not know what an ascetic, ascetic practice is, uh, but people would, uh, they felt the body was bad and they would, uh, they would basically even got into torturing the body because the body was bad and if you break down the body, you're spiritually strong. And you can, you can Google that and see what some of the crazy practices they did in the Middle Ages to, to crucify the flesh. That was one of the focuses. They, they, they would literally beat their bodies to crucify the flesh. And so because of that, the, uh, fasting got a bad rap. That Well, you're just, you're just trying to tear down your body. There's another reason that it may have uh, uh, been disregarded uh, many folks felt that fasting was just a Jewish custom. It's something that the Jews did. It's not appropriate for the Christian church, and we'll address that. And then maybe a third reason we have been convinced that uh, through constant propaganda that if we do not have uh, three large meals each day with several snacks in between, we are on the verge of starvation. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, my blood sugar is dropping. <laughs> I gotta give me something to eat. And there are people who have blood sugar issues, and I understand that physically they can't. But because the Bible has so much to say about fasting, it is only right that we should consider what it says. I want to consider what it says about fasting, don't you? And as we do so, I have several requests tonight. Please withhold judgment until you've heard all of it. Okay, now tonight's not all of it. Turn to your neighbor and tell them tonight's not all of it. Thank God we'd be here to 10 o'clock if it was. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not going to give you all of it, but I do want to read a scripture in Proverbs 18, 13. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. So, okay, you're not, this is going to be part of it, so just take it in, uh, study it, maybe read your Bible about fasting, maybe Google search fasting, read scriptures about it, but don't, don't make up your mind quickly. Let's, let's see what the Word will say. Uh, I guess the best way to say it, let's be spelunkers, they call it. And you say, what's spelunking? Well, spelunking's not a bad thing. It's caving. It's caving. It's discovering caves and going through them. Now, in spelunking, however they say it, caving, you explore what is there 
instead of rearranging what is there to fit what you want. Now, a lot of people, uh, Bible engineer study. They're, they're Bible engineers in their study. They change the Bible to what they like. They change the Bible to what they believe. They don't just go in there and discover what's there and celebrate what's there. It's dangerous to say, I believe this. I'm going to find something in the Bible to help me support it. It's dangerous. So... We're, 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 not, we're going to see what's there. We're going we're gonna to go and discover. We're not going to be Bible engineers. In this lesson, then we shall take a look at fasting in the Old Testament. So let's look at this real quick. Let's talk about occasions they fasted in the Old Testament. And the first one's the Day of Atonement. Everybody say the Day of Atonement. There's a number of verses, Leviticus 16, in chapter 16, in Leviticus chapter 23, in Numbers chapter 29. And if you want to go back and listen to the podcast and catch some of these references or write them down, that's fine. But on the, on the Day of Atonement, they would fast. In the Old Testament, God called His people to a fast. Now this, listen, this was the only fast commanded by the law and by God to be observed in the Old Testament. Did they fast in the Old Testament? Absolutely. But the only one God called them to was the Day of Atonement. Everybody say Atonement. That was a special day. It was the tenth day of the seventh month. And though not called fasting in the Old Testament, the phrase was used, afflict one's soul. To afflict your soul was the reference in the Old Testament to the fast on the Day of Atonement. To afflict your soul. You do realize your body, you are soul, and then you are spirit. And fasting on the Day of Atonement was spoken of in a number of cases. Look at Psalms 69 verse 10. It's David. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. Now listen, if you take that one verse, if, we, if we're spelunkers, we look at that verse and say, oh, he's saying fasting is a reproach to him. But if you, if you don't go back up into the preceding verses, David is saying, the zeal of the Lord has eaten me up. In other words, I'm on fire for the Lord. And the people of God weren't as on fire as I was. And when I prayed, they didn't like it. And when I fasted, it was to my reproach. That's the context. Okay? So he's not saying fasting is a reproach. He's saying, when I fasted because the zeal of God was on me... You know, it was, it was to my reproach. In Acts 27, this is Paul uh, on, on a ship, Paul, Acts chapter 27 verse 9. Now when much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished him. This, this word fast refers, refers to the one day Paul, would, as a Jew, would be fasting. It'd be the day of atonement. He said, because the fast is past. Amen, that's a great title for a sermon. Fast is past. It's Wednesday. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the fast is past. This is where the term fast refers to the Day of Atonement. Now the use of the phrase to afflict one's soul to refer to fasting suggests to us the purpose of fasting. To have an effect on my soul, not my body. Something's happening in me when I fast. Yes, I'm getting hungry, but is it affecting 
my soul. And the goal of such affliction or chastening, uh, we'll notice uh, a little bit later. There are other fasts in the Old Testament. In fact, if this is the only one God called them to, the Bible tells us of other times His people fasted. Uh, how many's ever been through something so traumatic you didn't feel like eating? In fact, let me see your hand if you missed a few meals when you experienced something traumatic. Listen, and when the pastor says, let's fast, it's hard to miss a meal, isn't it? But you know what? When I've lost a loved one, I don't even think about eating. I've been through the experiences where I had no appetite at all. And you've experienced that. I've experienced that. Uh, so this happened in, in God's people. People often fasted uh, without a specific commandment or a time to fast. And it was in a time of distress, uh, a time of, uh, uh, of communal affairs and other things. Let's, let's look at this. They fasted at the threat, at the threat of war. Uh, it's not a good thing to fast in war. In fact, Saul told his men to not eat anything and they were in a battle and Jonathan got in trouble because he went through a field. He went through a wooded area where there was honey on the ground and he got to eating that honey and he was refreshed and he got in trouble because you're not supposed to, well, it's not a good thing to fast during the battle. It is a good thing to fast before the battle. So Israel fasted a number of times in Judges 20 at Bethel in the war against the Benjamites at Mizpah against the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 7. We find this. They fasted before they went into battle. Another time they fasted, they fasted when loved ones were sick. 2 Samuel 12, David fasted and wept for his son while the boy was ill. When the boy died, David rose up, washed his face, and went and ate. He fasted as long as his son was battling that illness in Psalms 35, the psalmist also mentions fasting for his enemies. Now that's interesting. Uh, and then another one, another time they fasted, they fasted when loved ones died. Uh, anybody remember a time when somebody fasted in the Old Testament when a person died? Uh, Saul and jo his son Jonathan when, and his sons, when they died, uh, David fasted and he called the people to fast. Uh, the men of Jabesh Gilead fasted seven days for Saul in 1 Samuel 31. Uh, they fasted also when they were seeking God's forgiveness. Moses fasted 40 days because of the sin of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 9. 40 days. There's only three Bible uh, characters that fasted 40 days. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. These were all supernatural fasts. Supernatural. Uh, I, I do know a man in Cutler, Illinois, was the baddest man in town, worked the coal mines, and was the meanest man in that area, they said. And old Gene Bennett would you know, just rather punch you out than even say hello. But Gene Bennett would go to the bars every night, and, and you didn't want to cross him. And Gene Bennett came to church and got the Holy Ghost and got baptized. And as soon as he came out of the water, he said the Lord spoke to him and told him to go on a 40-day fast. Gene Bennett went on a 40-day fast just drinking liquids and didn't eat for 40 days. You better be sure God calls you to that fast. Ahab fasted to be forgiven in 1 Kings 21. Nineveh fasted. Listen, when Jonah preached to Nineveh, does anybody remember what happened to the king of Nineveh, that Gentile city? He said, I believe what you're saying. If we don't straighten up, God's going to destroy this city. And what did he do? 
he commanded that all of Nineveh fast for three days. And you know what else? He said, not only do you fast, but don't feed your animals, don't feed your cats, don't feed your dogs. Everybody's fasting. Men, women, babies, dogs, cats, cows, horses, all of them fasted. And what happened after three days? God turned its judgment and did not destroy Nineveh. Daniel fasted as he confessed the sins of Israel. In Daniel chapter 9, he fasted in the place of Israel. A general fast at the communal reading of the law in the book of Ezra, by Ezra in the book of Nehemiah. They would fast as the law was read. In, in it, the reference of that's in Nehemiah chapter 9. Somebody say amen. They would also fast when they faced impending danger. Jehoshaphat was uh, threatened, was going to go out to battle in 2 Chronicles 20. He called a fast. Ezra led a fast when seeking the favor of God when he was returning uh, from exile in Ezra chapter 8. He called a fast. Nehemiah was going back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He called a fast. The Jews fasted when they heard that Haman had obtained the king's decree to kill all the Jews in the book of Esther. And the Jews went to fasting. Esther Mordecai fasted before she went before the king to turn that, uh, that decree around. So we find the Old Testament that when God's people realized they were at a particular juncture spiritually, they would fast, afflict their souls, so to speak. They set up fast also to commemorate certain uh, calamities. In fact, during the exile years when they were away from Jerusalem, uh, the tenth of the fifth month was the burning of the temple in Jeremiah chapter 52. They'd fast on the tenth day of the fifth month because that's the day the temple was burned. The second day of the seventh month was the murder uh, of, of, of a hero in 2 Kings chapter 25. They'd fast on the second day of the seventh month. On the tenth day of the tenth month was the beginning of the siege of Jerusalem and Jews would fast that day. On the ninth day of the fourth month was uh, it would fall a fast day. So there were a number of things they fasted to commemorate certain things, especially the fall of Jerusalem. So when we talk about fasting in the Old Testament, some fasting was a natural reaction to grief over lost loved ones, Saul, Jonathan, so to speak. But more often, fasting was done to purposely afflict the soul or chasten the soul. So with that in mind, the purpose of such affliction or chastening was to humble. Everybody say to humble. To humble the soul and not for any effect it might have on the body. This is not a weight loss program. Amen. In Psalms 35 verse 13, let's look at this. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. David said, when there was that time of sickness, I, I, my clothes were sackcloth, which was humility. I humbled my soul with fasting. I wanted to make sure I was not only humble in my apparel, I was humble inside. Evidently, they felt uh, that by so humbling themselves with fasting, they, they would have God's favor because they were not only uh, putting on sackcloth, but they were humbling their soul by fasting. So they would fast when they needed Forgiveness from sin, loved ones restored to health, protection from danger, and the list goes on and on. So let's deal with some of these things. Let's look here just a minute. Because they were seeking God's favor, fasting would almost always, everybody say always, always be accompanied with prayer. 
Now in the New Testament, you're going to see this connection even greater. But even the Old Testament, because they, it wasn't just a weight loss program, but they were actually seeking God for something, it was always accompanied with prayer. Let's talk about the nature of fasting. Let's talk about just the particulars of it. The normal fast, just abstaining from all food but not water. I um, had a... <laughs> He's had a stroke now and he can't talk anymore, but, but uh, he was a humorous guy in my father-in-law's church and he came to a fasting revival we had at the beginning of the year and he walked into prayer meeting that night and I saw him at the door and greeted him. He said, well, I tore up my blender tonight. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I couldn't get that pork chop liquefied. I'm not having any food but liquid. Well, I think I can get that steak. I... I they got it machinery now. You can liquefy anything. <laughs> Put a little water in there. Uh, sometimes a fast would be partial, a restriction of diet, but not total food abstention. In other words, some people go on a Daniel fast. That's eating certain things. On rare occasions, there's an absolute fast. No water, no food. In that case, you, 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 obviously, if God doesn't call you to that, you better not go without water uh, very long. As in the case of the people of Nineveh, it also included animals. As in the case of Esther, uh, as in the case of the absolute fast of Moses and Elijah. And I'm jumping through stuff that I've already mentioned, trying to hurry here. Uh, the length of fast. Everybody say length of fast. Fast was often for one day from sunrise in the Jewish custom, sunrise to sunset. And after sundown, uh, food would be eaten, Judges 20. 1 Samuel 14, a fast might be one night. In Daniel 6, there was a fast for one night. That's the fast I'm signing up for. The fast of Esther continued for three days, three days and three nights, uh, which seemed to have a special, uh, be a special case in, the, in Esther chapter 4. Uh, at the burial, burial of Saul, uh, when Saul, the king of Israel, was buried, Israel fasted seven days after he was buried. Uh, David fasted seven days when his child was ill. The longest fast recorded in Scripture is 40 days, and that was a fast by Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, as I've already mentioned. There are some warnings concerning fasting. Fasting can easily turn into an external show and a ceremonial ritual. It can easily be, I'm just going without food, and there be no spiritual meaning to it. That happened in the Old Testament. When it turned into a religious show or ceremony, the prophets spoke out against it. They said, you're not, you know, you just keep going through the rituals and that's not doing you any good. So fasting, just because we're fasting, is not advised either. I think there needs to be, uh, as we go forward, you'll recognize there needs to be humility and repentance as you go into fasting. It's, it's, a, it's a getting my heart and my soul in a place to receive from the Lord. Uh, the most vigorous attack against uh, fasting that was just religious fasting or just going through the motions, the most vigorous attack was spoken against by the prophet Isaiah. I want us to look at that in just a minute, and I'm just about to close, but I, I think it's very important we look at this. Uh, I want to look at Isaiah chapter 58. Now let's look at a very specific few verses because these are important. Uh, verse 5 says, It is such a fast that I have chosen. Is it, I'm sorry, is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, in other words, humility, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Is this the fast I've chosen, the Lord said. 
Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? Is that all that fasting is? Verse 6, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to break the oppressed, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is, not, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out of thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh or your own family. Now reading this, you begin to determine that the fast God wants will do some powerful things. In fact, it goes on to say salvation will break in on you. Uh, it'll break every yoke. It'll undo burdens. Man, I want that kind of fast. Somebody say amen. So that fast that God has chosen is to feed, it says it right here, feed the hungry, bring the poor that you threw out, clothe those that have no clothing, take care of those of your own flesh. That's what it says. We just read it. But if that's all you read, you miss the point. You need to go up to the very first verse. Let's go back up there and let's look. The Bible says that Isaiah says in verse 1, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people, here comes a real important word, their what? Transgression. My people have got it wrong. They're, they're transgressing. And the house of Jacob, their what? Sins. These are two important words. The Lord says to Isaiah, cry out against what they're doing. They're not, they don't have it right. They're, they're transgressing. Cry out about their sins. And what is their sins? What should they cry out about? There it is. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness. Look at this. Now the first part of that second verse sounds pretty huh, awesome. You seek the Lord daily. You delight to know his ways. But when you, why is the Lord saying cry out against their transgression? And then he says they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Why would God say cry out against them? And in verse 2 he says, they seek me, they delight. But then that little word, as a nation that did righteousness. And they were acting like a nation that does righteously. They acted like they have not forsaken me. They act as if they delight in me. They act as if they seek me daily. They act as if they ask of me the ordinance of justice. They ask, they, they seek me as they take delight in approaching to God. They serve me as a nation that did righteousness. In other words, the Lord said, show my people their sins. They act like a religious nation. Uh-oh. They pray, they fast, they go to church. Uh-oh. They do all the stuff they're supposed to do. They live as a nation that does righteously. They act like a righteous nation who would never abandon God. They ask me to act and pretend they want to draw near to me. Man, 
This is what he's calling Isaiah to cry out against. I think it ought to be cried out in the 21st century against. I think we ought, to, we ought to cry out against it in our own self. We ought to say, I don't want to get so comfortable that I just pray and fast and come to church and just punch the time clock and my mind's not there and my soul's not there and my spirit's not there. Lord, don't let me do it blindly. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. So, what is the Lord saying? Cry out to them. Tell them they're in transgression because they serve me as a nation that's righteous. And they do all these things as a nation that wants to serve me. There's nothing wrong with seeking God daily. Nothing wrong with wanting to know God fully. Nothing wrong with following God completely. Nothing wrong with living righteously, delighting in God. But here it's obvious God is dealing with their attitude, isn't it? Yeah, let's look at verse 3 and you'll see it. Wherefore have ye fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? In other words, they say, Lord, we fasted and you didn't take notice. We afflicted our soul and you didn't act like you knew. Behold, in the day of your fast, look, you find pleasure and extract all your labors. Behold, Ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with a fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. He says, we have fasted. Why? They said, we fasted, Lord. Why were you not impressed? We've sacrificed. Why haven't you noticed? God says, I'll tell you why. You are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you're fasting, you oppress workers. Even while you're fasting, you're fighting and quarreling with your spouse. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What good is fasting when you keep fighting? The kind of fasting, this kind of fasting will not get you anywhere. You humble yourselves by going through the motions. Is that what you call fasting? That's what the Lord's saying. Folks, that's not fasting. Just going without food and punching the clock and saying, well, I fasted. No, there needs to be something spiritual and deep and divine to our consecration and discipline of fasting. Somebody say amen. amen. Clap your hands if you believe that. The Lord says, the Lord says, do you really think this will please me? This is the kind of fast I want. And then he says, feed the poor. Clothe the naked. You know what? Let me ask you something. Can you feed the poor without being spiritual at all? Well, sure. There's a lot of people who can feed. Can you clothe somebody that has no clothes without a move of God in your life? Can you help somebody without any ounce of righteousness in your life? Absolutely. So this is not about, well, the fast the Lord wants is us just to feed people. No. He says, get your attitude right. Get the, the attitude's what's important. How you do it is more important than what you're doing. He's dealing with an attitude. He's dealing with them going through religious motions and it's not affecting their compassion. Now a lot of people have read these verses and say, Oh, so we don't fast anymore, we just feed people. Well, you can feed people and still fight with your spouse. Do, do you see the point? 
The point is not, oh, well, either or. No, it's the attitude that makes the difference. Lord, help us to fast, to draw close to you, to be in communion, to, to in some way afflict, to humble in some way our own soul, to draw back in our own bodies, to say, Lord, I want to please you. I want to walk with you. Come on, lift your hands and say, Lord, help me, God, to have the right attitude. Help me to, to, to go on this journey of fasting and prayer, God, to, to draw close to you in this way, to discipline my own soul in this matter. I praise you for it, God. Thank you, Lord. This is the kind of fast I want that will get your attitude right. You'll treat the poor right. You'll treat the naked right. You'll treat your own kids right. That's the fast I want. You, you said just because you've gone without food, God's going to notice. He said, no, the fast I want affects who you are. It affects your spirit. It affects how you treat people. So we do need to fast. Because some of us aren't treating people right. Have you ever seen a more self-centered generation? I haven't. Yeah. Pretty self-centered. This is the kind of fast I want. It'll get your attitude right. The Lord said, fasting without true repentance defeats the purpose of fasting. To have your prayers heard. Fasting and repentance go together. It's a humbling of our soul. It's, 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 a, it's a chastening of our own selves. Now, the same point was made about the ceremonial fast that had been added to the Israelites. The Israelites added all kind of fasts. You know, they fasted certain days. I've already gone through some of that. The only one fast the Lord called them to was the Day of Atonement. But they fasted a bunch of other days. And in Zechariah chapter 7, the people wanted to know. They said, hey, we've been fasting all these days. Should we keep doing it? <laughs> and you know what the Lord said? The Lord responded and said, that fast was not for me or from me. Now this is what's important. You don't just, okay, I'm going without food today. No, that's a diet. A fast is a Lord-ordained thing. There were all kind of fast days in Zechariah. They, they, uh, they, they were in exile, and they said, should we keep fasting? And Zechariah said, the Lord didn't call you to any of those fasts. You're fasting because the day the temple was burned. The Lord didn't call you to that. You're fasting for, on the day when Saul died on the, on the battlefield. God didn't call you. The only day he called you to was the day of atonement. So whether you do it or not, it doesn't make any difference to God. So fasting's not about a diet plan or, you know, I'm just, I think it ought to be entered into in a divine way, in a spiritual way. And they should have instead done the will of the Lord, done what God asked them to do. Now, in conclusion, uh, at this point, we've not tried to establish where the fasting for Christians uh, today, whether it is or isn't, we'll get to those points, but we're not trying to establish that right. Rather, we have just considered the practice of fasting in the Old Testament to have a better understanding of why God's people fasted in the Old Testament. Here's what we've learned. We've learned only one fast was specifically commanded in the Old Testament. That was the Day of Atonement, the day the sins were washed. Oh, I'm thankful my sins are washed away. 
but people often fasted when they wanted to hear their, uh, God to hear their prayers. The purpose of the fast was to humble themselves by afflicting their soul. That's what we've learned. However, fasting, we've also learned that fasting is fruitless when it's done for the wrong reason. Listen, I think it's important instead of the church saying we're going to pray and fasting revival, I think the church ought to join together. But it ought not be just because we're going through a fasting revival. You ought to enter into it uh, uh, spiritually. And say, God, we want to see revival. I want to see you work in my life. You said, well, pastors called us on a, on a fast. I can't go to McDonald's, dear God. What kind of fast is that? Somebody say amen. Fasting is fruitless when it's done for the wrong reason, when it's done without true repentance. Somebody say repentance. Lord, wash us and cleanse us. We have also seen that there is no set principle concerning the length or the nature of fasting. Somebody say amen. Now, I've, I've had, you know, I, I will say this. I come from a, 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 line, a church, a, a long lineage of a, a church that believed in prayer and fasting. And so I hear, I hear the people saying nowadays, well, that, that's an old concept. That's this or that. And I understand that. But, but I, I would like to say to you, from my perspective, I, I saw a man and his wife. Uh, go into a little community where the previous pastor just started a church, got it off the ground, got a little group of people together, and uh, I, my, my pastor went in there as a young man, and God said, there are things that are not going to be accomplished in this church unless you call this church to prayer and fasting. And he did that, and the rest is history. And people were saved, and there was healings and miracles, and the church grew, and the kingdom of God expanded. So argue with it all you want. <laughs> Say, well, I read this book, and you don't have to do that anymore. I'm not reading a book. I just see the evidence of it. When you pray and fast, there are some things that don't happen spiritually unless you pray and fast. And we're going to get to that. Let's stand together tonight. I wanted to encourage you. I want to encourage saints of God that I see eaten while I'm fasting. I want to tell you, I'd like for you to join me. Feel kind of lonely during this revival. <laughs> like for you to join us. Now, of course, it's the, the, the harvest is past. The fast day's over, but maybe next time. Amen. I want us to join together as a family, as a church family, when we enter these times of prayer and fasting, to enter into them spiritually. Somebody say amen. To enter into Him, to see God do some things in our own personal lives. To break yokes. Amen. To break chains. And we're going to see that. Amen. Let's join together. Reach over and connect with somebody. We're going to close in prayer and ask God to touch each one of us in this area of fasting. God, I pray right now, Lord. I know in the spirit of this age, we have this idea, well, we've got to be comfortable. And, and that makes me uncomfortable. And, and I, you know, I get hungry. And I, I don't know if I want to do that. And that's a sacrifice. Lord, help us. God, help us to recognize the spiritual significance of fasting. Thank you for this time together in Bible study tonight. I pray for the adults in this church. Lord, I just I would like to see them, Lord, take up, Lord, the the, the take up the the the, the practice of of fasting and praying God I pray Lord you help us thank you for those that can and those that have thank you for those that would like to do more but physically they can't we understand that thank you Lord for everything they do we do Lord to make sure that we're seeking you with our whole heart God I pray Lord as we come to know what your word says about this discipline God that you would help us to embrace it just like prayer just like seeking you God just like Lord Bible study and 
these, these disciplines in our lives. Help us, Lord, with this area of fasting, God. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. And I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. So prayer and fasting revival is very important. I want you to know from me, it's very important. Very important. First of the year, we usually have a time of fasting and prayer. It's very important. Well, you're going to see it, as, and, and it, it'll be a little recess, about six weeks for the recess, and let you germinate on this, and then we'll come back and talk about what happened in the New Testament and the church in the New Testament, uh, Christians in the New Testament church, how they fasted and sought God. So, amen. Don't forget that. Grab a hold of it and, uh, and join us when we... You need to have fast times in your own personal life. Monday's fast day. We say, well, Monday, we're just going to customary fast day. We're going to have prayer meeting on Monday night. We're going to fast day. Uh, let's enter into that spiritually. So, well, okay, Monday's fast day. Unless God can't eat breakfast today. Can't go to Hardy's today. What good is that if that's all fast day is? Let's enter into it spiritually and say, Lord, I want to consecrate myself to you today. Somebody